0: Good morning! My name's Steve. Need a visitor badge today, huh? It's great to be back at worship with you today. Joyce and I have been traveling a bit, and uh, we've been uh, gone a lot, and it really is good to come back to First Baptist and worship the Lord with you today. One of the things I enjoy doing on Sunday mornings when I'm not here is getting away to go to churches, and so we've had the opportunity to be at a variety of churches And one Sunday I told Joyce, we're going to go down to Second Baptist Church in Los Angeles where William Epps is the pastor. It's a great African-American church. He's a fantastic American Baptist preacher. So we went down there to hear Bill and uh, have communion with them. In fact, it was the first Sunday of of August. And when we got done, it was between 9.30 and 10. And so I said to Joyce, you know, Inglewood's not far away. Ken Olmer's church, Faithful Central's there. I wonder what time their service is. That's the church that bought the forum. And they worship in the Forum now. And so I thought, that'll be cool. So Joyce reluctantly said, yeah, I'll go along. And uh, so we drove over to the Forum then and had church until 12 o'clock that uh, afternoon, noon. And uh, Joyce later asked me in the week, she said, now, we went to two different churches. We were in church from 8 a.m. to 12 noon. Does that mean I don't have to go next week, you know? And uh, I said, no, no, it doesn't work like that. But uh, we are glad to be back with you. And I want to take a bit of time to review our theme. We started off 2008 with a theme, and that theme was to help us uh, really be better followers of Jesus. What is our theme for 2008? Connect 360. Yes, thank you. And it was really uh, an effort to help us remember the great commandment of Jesus, that we're to love God, we're to love our church, we're to love our community, we're to love ourselves. And we talked about that. Now, we have a theme verse, right? And you've all memorized it, so I want you to stand up and just say it with me. Well, we'll put it up on the screen. That'll help you. But go ahead and stand up as we read the Scripture. All right, are you ready to read this? Let's read it together. Or say it if you know it by heart. Of course, the words of Jesus, he said uh, to him, let's read together, okay? Okay. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets All right, thank you you may be seated good job now what I'd like to do the next few weeks is to talk to you about these words of Jesus and the truth is you cannot give what you do not have that's just common sense And this morning, I want to ask you, do you have God's love? Because, you see, I think it's impossible to expect somebody to actually love God well, to love others well, to love themselves well, if they've never experienced love. If you don't have love, you really can't offer it to somebody else. Make sense? So this morning, it's a very simple idea, but I want to talk to you about God's love for you. Poets, songwriters love to talk about love. It's a common word that we use all the time, and yet sometimes I'm not sure we really reflect well on the fact that God loves us. So this morning, I want to talk to you very simply before we come to the Lord's table about whether or not you really understand and feel and know God's love. Okay? And I want to do it in quite a simple way. We're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, and if you have an outline, you can pull that out of your worship folder. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And uh, in the Bible, uh, originally the Bible was in Hebrew and Greek, primarily. And someone has said that if you were to go through the Hebrew and Greek Bible, there are about 14,000 words that are different words in Hebrew and Greek Bible. But in our English Bible, the King James Version, there are only about uh, 6,000. Now, I give you these numbers, not because I counted them all up, But I give you these numbers to help you understand that when you bring uh, a word from one language to another language, you always tend to lose something. There's never a direct equivalent. And our English word for love, L-O-V-E, behind that word in the scripture are all kinds of other words. Fair enough? In other words, there's not just one word for love in Hebrew or one word for love in Greek. And this morning I want to take just a moment to kind of uncover the richness of some of those words that we see in the Hebrew Scripture that lie behind our word love. And the reason I'm doing it is not really to help you understand the Hebrew Bible better, but to help you understand God's love for you more than you understand it right now. So that's the direction we're going to go, okay? And the first uh way I want to put this is that God's love for you is like a magnet. It's like a magnet. Now, you can picture a horseshoe magnet. I don't know if you ever played with one of those as a kid. But the God's love for you is like a magnet. That is, it attracts. Now, <clears throat> in your notes, I wrote this word uh, hashak or H-A-S-H-A-Q. Sometimes it's spelled a little differently than that. But this Hebrew word is a word for affection, or to be pleased with, or our word for love. And depending on which translation of the Bible you read, you're going to see it translated in different ways. It's another word for love. Now, in the uh, scripture, if you can, you can visit, uh, uh, visualize these columns. If you had a ring attached to that column, that's the idea of this word. It's the idea of attachment, like a ring attached to a column. It's used that way. And so when we talk about God's love is like a magnet, we're talking about God's attaching Himself to you and you to God. This idea of connection. Now, I want to look at he- uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. Moses is talking to the children of God. They've come out of Egypt. They've gone through the wilderness. And he's, the law has been given. The Ten Commandments have been given. And here's what is said in the Scripture in uh, Deuteronomy 7, 7. It says, The Lord did not set his affection on you, And choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations, for in fact you were the fewest of all the peoples. Now, if you like to do this sort of thing, you can in the notes you can underline that word affection. That's our word, love. And he says God didn't set his affection on you for certain things that were within you. Now, I don't know if I can get this across, but it's a huge issue this morning for you to understand, this idea of God's affection to you. And there are two dimensions to this that I want to emphasize. The first is this idea of attachment. Earlier in Exodus, God had said, I'm going to make you my people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. He said this to the Jews. In this passage, uh, God says, I've attached myself to you and you to me. Now, as you look at this, you could you could look at this verse and say, well, he's kind of putting them down because he says you're you're few in number. You're not very big. But the idea is, God says to them, as I attach myself to you, as I look at you, there's no particular reason why I'm choosing you. You're not the greatest nation. They weren't. You're not the wealthiest nation. They were not. You're not the smartest people on the face of the earth. They were not. You're not the biggest people on the face of the earth, in terms of number or size. So why does God love them? God just loves them because that's God. God is love. And it's such an important point for us to understand, because you and I, generally speaking, and maybe this is always true, we love or reach out or show affection because of what we can get out of it. That's sort of our human nature, our brokenness. The truth is, you, can you go back to um, like grade school with me, when they choose up teams, you know, it's recess, and you're going to play volleyball or basketball, softball. You ever been in one of those circles? You appoint two captains, and they start choosing. Who do they choose first? The best, the boy or girl who can help them win. Who do they choose last? The weakest, the loser, the one that's just left standing. Well, I guess you can be on my team. Doesn't feel too good to be last, does it? Feels great to be first. Why are you chosen first? Because of of what you can do for the team. Now, we tend to think like that. We're attracted to each other. Because uh, of some quality or beauty or strength or chemistry or something like that. We say, I'm attracted to you. I'd like to be your friend. There's a connection because of something good within the other person. God's not like that. When you think of God's love like a magnet, God reaches out and draws you to God's own self. Not because of some great quality in you. God just loves you because you're one of God's own. When uh, on uh, Friday I saw Tabitha, there she is in that uh, little bassinet incubator, what do you call that thing? And uh, she's all hooked up to the little wire to, wires monitoring her. Uh, she can't do anything for us, but we love her, just because she's Tabitha. Now that's the way God reaches out to us and loves us. In fact, in First uh, Corinthians, I'll read this scripture to you. Uh, Paul is talking to the Christians in Corinth. And he's trying to get them to understand this idea of God's love and God reaching out. And it's really the same thing that's said in Deuteronomy 7. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. When God chose you, when you first had a God consciousness, think of what you were. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what? Some of you know it. The foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and things that are not, those things that are not, so that no one might, what? Boast in God's presence. In other words, you can't say, well, I'm on God's team because, and then state something you're going to contribute to God. It doesn't work that way. God just loves you. And so as you think about God's love, God's love for you is like a magnet. God reaches out to us and draws us to God's own self. Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And you can remember the stories of how Jesus went around choosing the disciples. And so it is with you and me. God's love is like a magnet. It draws us to himself. Now, uh, that's one word, Uh, hashak, the word in the Bible that talks about love or affection and uh, it's a word that you could think of a magnet kind of being drawn to God. There's another word, and I like to say God's love is like honey. And I brought along a jar of Trader Joe's honey. Uh, God's love is like honey. Well, what do we mean by that? This second word, A-H-E-B, ahev, means to love. It's a very common word in the Bible. It's used of the love of friends, the love between a husband and wife, the love you might have for your home Uh It's the love within a community. It's it's just a big word for love. And uh, I've said there that God's love is like honey. Let's read this scripture together. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 8, Moses is still talking to the people of God. He's still talking about God chose you, not because you're special. God just loves you. Now let's read this. Would you read it with me? But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, you see that word love? It's not the same word as the other word love in the earlier verse. It's a different word, and that's the word we're looking at now. And I said God's love is kind of like honey. Anybody like honey? Not all of us like honey, huh? I can't imagine that. I love honey. Um, Some of you don't like it because what? It's too sticky or it's too sweet, maybe. Maybe it burns your mouth. My wife doesn't like honey, but I like honey. And uh, any of you eat honey very often? I like honey on a peanut butter sandwich. You put it on a peanut butter sandwich, murder. around. The problem is it's pretty nasty, isn't it? It runs off the edges, runs down the side, gets sticky everywhere. But uh, what are some other uses you have for honey? Tea, okay, yeah. Salad dressing on your oats. Where? Barbecued ribs, yeah. Oh, now we're getting hungry. Bacon, what? Tea, yeah. So lots of uses for honey. This jar says clover honey. And I was reading about honey, and it said that actually uh, honey comes in all kinds of colors. I mean, from dark to light. And a very dark honey means that the plants were growing in acidic soil, and when the bees got the pollen and nectar out of those plants and put it in the honeycomb and so forth, that came out of a plant that was in acidic soil. Clover, alfalfa, some of those others come out of a soil that's alkaline, and it's a lighter color. So actually, if you know your honey, you can kind of tell the type of soil that the plants were growing in where the bees harvested. Now, you may have read, as I have, about uh, the shortage of bees lately. In 2005, half the bee crop in California was extinct, it went away, and it's created all sorts of problems for farmers, even almond farmers, because the pollination isn't happening as it should now. And so there's a real problem throughout the country, in California and some places in the east, for not enough bees. And the beekeeper's hives are way down. Now, just as we say God's love is like honey, there's a lot of variety to it. It's rich, it's sweet, it comes in all sorts of flavors and colors. I got to thinking, uh, I haven't seen that there's a shortage of honey yet, but uh, there are there are a shortage of bees. Now, I got to thinking, is there any shortage of God's love? What do you think? Not enough love to go around? Actually, God says, I love the whole world, right? So there's no shortage of God's love, but I think there is a problem. I think there's a shortage of the knowledge of God's love. And this morning, the, the, the concern of my heart is that It's not that you know God loves you. I think you know that. Probably if we surveyed everybody in the room, most of us, if not all of us, would say, well, I know God loves me. I mean, you've heard that. Cognitively, you you think, yeah, I know God loves me. The the real deal is you know God loves you here. You really experienced. you feel, are you convinced in in your soul that God loves you? See, that's the issue, isn't it? You really understand God loves you, and do you feel that love, and that's, that's the issue. Now, this honey, you can say, well, I don't know much about honey, never tried it, so you don't know anything about it, and it's the same with God's love. If you've never experienced God's love, then you know nothing about it. If you don't taste the honey, you can't talk to me about honey. Just as if you don't receive Christ and experience God's love in you, you can't really say much about that. You don't know. Now, some time ago, Ted taught us a song that, uh, it's just a chorus, actually, Very speaks very powerfully to me. And the words are, thank you for loving me. Remember that little chorus we sing? Thank you for finding me. Thank you for saving me. And sometimes when I sing that, I just close my eyes and hold my hands up to, to receive God's love and, and sometimes I can hardly sing the song. It seems so powerful because I realize, well, God does love me. I don't know why he would love Steve, but he does. You remember that song? Thank you for loving me. 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 For loving me. Let's try it again. Thank you for loving me, thank you for loving me, thank you for loving me, thank you for loving me. me. God does love you. God's love is sweet. It's like honey. And uh, God's love reaches out to you. And it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done this week. God loves you. And I hope you understand that in your heart. Now, one other word I want to look at, not only is God's love like a magnet, not only is it like honey, but uh, God's love is like a wedding ring. God's love is like a wedding ring. Usually, when we get married, rings are involved. And the ring's not so, you know, it may be valuable, it may not be valuable. The price of the ring doesn't really matter. Did you hear that, brides? I didn't get any amens. Um, but the point is what it symbolizes, isn't it? We wear the ring to remind us of a covenant, of a promise, of a vow. We wear the ring to speak to us about things we've pledged ourselves to do, who we've pledged ourselves to be. So the ring really is a reminder of a promise or a covenant. Now, I said God's love is like a wedding ring, and the word I want to look at now is a huge word in Hebrew, hesed, H-E-S-E-D. Again, it can be spelled differently. But it's used over 200 times in the Old Testament. And it's an idea that has to do, I put down loving kindness. There's a quaint word, but it's a rich word, loving kindness, or uh, loyalty, or love. And I'd like to read this scripture to you. Uh, We've looked at Deuteronomy 7 where Moses says, God chose you, Jewish people, not because you're great. That had nothing to do with it. You weren't great, in fact. He just chose you out of love. And then he says he sets his affection on you, or love on you. And now here's yet another verse. So let's look at Deuteronomy 7, 9, and notice the words love as I read this. Moses speaking to the people. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God. Keeping his covenant of what? Of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Now let's leave that verse up there a minute. When you think about God, this verse says, Know that the Lord your God is God. The God you believe in is really the God of the universe. What characteristic does this verse lift up about God? God is what? Faithful. God is faithful. And that's this idea of love. God's love is like a wedding ring. It reminds us of, the ring reminds us of faithfulness, and God's love is faithful. Not only is he faithful, it says he what? He keeps his covenant. He keeps his promise. Now, here's the deal. Um, Unconditional love is something that's pretty tough for us to give. I think we read stories of it, but it's, it's tough. But God's love is unconditional. What does that mean? Well, it means that when you come to the communion table today, God's love for you is not based on who you are or what you've done or where you've been or what you have or what you don't have or your status or your power. It's not based on that. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come to God in need of God's love, broken people. And God says, I give you my love unconditionally. You, you, you haven't. Which means that you may have had the worst week of your life and been in rebellion against God, but God still loves you. It doesn't mean He approves you be, of your behavior, but He still loves you. Do you know that? God loves you. Even if you re- turn your back on God this week, God loves you. It's unconditional. And that's the idea behind God's promise of love to you. He said, I'll never leave you. I can't leave you. God won't forsake you because God loves you. God won't abandon you because God loves you. God's not going to forget you because God loves you. God's not going to leave your life because God loves you. God just loves you. Can you hear that word of the Lord today? You are accepted in Jesus. You are God's beloved child in Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. And as we receive that love and soak it up and live in it, then we're able to go out into the world and be Christ's agents and people in the world, God's love is like a wedding ring to all of us. Um, how do I know God loves us so much? Well, I know this because God loves us so much that God would die for us. He has. That's why we're around this table today. In fact, in the New Testament, you had another word for love. The Bible says God demonstrates his own love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us so much, God would die for us. Now, think about this question, and you obviously can't answer me now, but have you ever been truly loved? Have you ever been really loved? What about you and love? How do you get along with love? As we think about it, hopefully we could say, well, my mom really loved me, or my grandma really loved me, or I had an aunt or uncle or dad. You know, hopefully we can identify people who really loved us. Probably you can. But even though we may have been loved well, some of us don't receive love very well. We resist love. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe uh, there are other reasons, but we, we really don't receive love well. How about you? Have you ever been really loved? Are you open to love? Do you allow love to come into your life? And I ask you that because you are accepted in Jesus. God does love you. But you have to have the door of your heart open to let Christ in. Sometimes, I think as we looked at that song, sometimes it's helpful to remind ourselves in our heart, I am loved. And one way to do that is to simply give thanks to God. Sometimes in worship we lift up our hands it's a way of symbolizing an openness to the Lord that we want to receive from the Lord. And I'd like to do something right now. Just where you're sitting, if you don't mind rolling your hands over just like this. You don't have to lift them up. You can just do it in your seat. But that's symbolizing I'm open to God's love. And then I'd like to say this statement over a couple of times, and I'll lead, it in, I'll lead you in it. We'll simply say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Okay? Let's say that together. Lord, thank you for loving me. Now, I'm going to change it up a little bit, not the words, the emphasis. And maybe you should close your eyes, but um, we're going to emphasize the word Lord. And I'll give you an example, then we'll say it together. Lord, thank you for loving me. Let's say that together. Lord, thank you for loving me. Now we're going to emphasize the word thank you. Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you for loving me. And now we're going to emphasize the word loving. Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you for loving me. And then finally, Lord, thank you for loving me. Say it with me. Lord, thank you for loving me again. Lord, thank you for loving me. One more time. Lord, thank you for loving me. Amen. One of the names I discovered this summer was the name Timothy Keller. He's the pastor of Presbyterian Church in New York City, Redeemer Presbyterian. And uh, I don't know him, but I just read a book of his called The Reason for God. And he concludes that book by sharing a story that I'd like to share with you. He's Telling about a woman who uh, attended church and desperately wanted to know God, and she kept praying, God, help me find you. God, I'm looking for you. God, help me find you. And she was complaining, it's not working. I just can't find God. Well, a wise Christian friend said to her, look, why don't you flip it around? Why don't you say to God, God, find me. God, find me. After all, God is the good shepherd who goes looking for the lost sheep. And so she did that. She said, I'm going to pray, God find me. And Pastor Timothy was talking to her one day, and she said, the only reason I can tell you this story is, he did. He did. God found her. And God wants to find each one of us, because God loves us. God loves us. Years ago, there was an author named G.K. Chesterton. He was a famous writer in England, quite a character. And wrote a lot of things about Christianity. He loved fairy tales. And partly loved fairy tales because they're, fairy tales can say things and bring across truth that we might not get in another way. And his favorite fairy tale was Beauty and the Beast. And he said this. He said the main lesson in Beauty and the Beast is this. Unlovely things must be deeply loved before they can become lovable. Unlovely things must become deeply loved before they can become lovable. God says that he demonstrates his love toward us, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You are accepted in Christ. Christ loves you. God loves you. Do you receive his love? Do you know that this morning? I'd like us to pray a prayer in conclusion, but I don't want you to feel you have to pray this prayer, because it really is a prayer that says, thank you, Lord, for loving me. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. I'd ask you to just sit and listen. But if you'd like to pray this prayer with me, would you stand up right now and we'll pray this prayer together. It'll be on the screen. You've got it in your notes. You can take it home and pray it during the week as well. But uh, we're going to pray this as a way of opening ourselves to the Lord's love. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, holy, honorable, wonderful is your name. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Your love is like a magnet holding me to you. Your love is like honey, special and sweet, faithful and true. Your love is constant and consistent, powerful and pure. I receive your love. I am accepted. I am your beloved child. I belong to your family. In the name of Jesus, my brother, I thank you. Amen. And thank you. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to observe one of the traditions Jesus taught us that is, the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to invite you to the table. Coming to this table is a way of saying, Yes, I've received God's love, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord, I'm trying to follow Him. And uh, my life is open to God's love and his presence. The way I'd like to observe communion today is this. Uh, We're going to invite you forward in just a minute, and I'll ask you to go out the left side of your pew and then just come down. The folks in the center section can come to this table. Pastor Jennifer will be over here at this table and Pastor Eddie at this table. And you can just come down the left side and come around and then receive communion and go back to your table. When we serve you communion, we're going to say, Do you receive the Lord's love? And we'll ask you to respond, I receive the Lord's love. Okay? Let's try that out. Do you receive the Lord's love? Amen. We observe this because on Jesus, last night on earth with his disciples, he took bread and broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, remember me. He also took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant. My blood shed for you, and as often as you drink this cup, remember me. And we come to remember Jesus today. One of the things that I like is change and variety. Uh, We get stuck in rituals and habits, and sometimes we actually don't think about what we're doing. And as you take this bread and cup, you are taking the body of Jesus in. You are receiving his love in the most tangible way you can actually demonstrate that. This is Christ's body broken for you. Why did he do that? Because he loves you. He loves you so much that he went to the cross and gave himself for you. The greatest story ever told. Now as you come today, we're going to ask you to to take the bread and... We'll exchange the words and the greeting, and we'll ask you to dip it in the cup. And then you can take the bread like this. Christ's body and blood shed for you. So I'll ask Jennifer to come and Pastor Eddie to come now. And after I pray, we'll ask you to get up, and you'll be dismissed row by row so we can come forward. Use this time to worship the Lord, to open your life to the love of the Lord. Father. We say it again. We can never say it too much. Thank you for loving us. Lord, my heart is somewhat heavy today because I know there's a child of yours here, a woman or a man, who's really not walking very well. They've stumbled. They've fallen. They don't think they belong here. They don't think they belong at this table. And yet that's why you came. Reach out with your love. Touch each one of us. Help us to know that we are your precious child. Help us to so feel your love that we can get back on our feet and walk out of here clean and pure with your spirit upon us, ready to live for you. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. Thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you for coming back from the dead with the power that can help us overcome the dead things in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.